Hey everyone, welcome to Knickknack Nerd. I'm Greg Burlett and I'm here with my friend Anthony Keelan. And today we are talking about robots. Robots. About robots. So we were both in uh, Disneyland uh, last week. Was it last week already? Last week, Time yeah. Time flies by now that I'm getting older. <laughs> um, and it was, so we saw uh the new Star Wars exhibit. What was it called? Galaxy's uh, Edge. Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And uh, was by far one of the coolest things I've seen at Disney. Um, there's a lot of stuff at Disney that is, uh, I guess, not my cup of tea. <laughs> would you say? I would uh, say that. Yeah. Kelly took me on. Uh, Kelly's my wife. Kelly took me on. Um, uh, what is that? Toad. Mister Toad's Wild Ride. Mister Toad's Wild Ride. It wasn't that wild, and it was kind of boring. But the Star Wars was not anything like that. It was not. Not at all. It, it completely blew my mind. Um, was it supposed to be on Endor? No, it's on a uh, plant called Batu. Uh, Batu. Batu, in the Outer yes. Rim. The Outer Rim. The Outer Rim. As opposed to the Inner Rim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that goes without saying. Yeah. So, um... Okay, was it supposed to be an imperial fortress or outpost on on uh, that planet, and Out- then the rebels were there? Or it's kind of like, like a scruffy, like Tatooine-ish kind of place. It was tat- no Tatooine's like a ish. sand planet. Oh, ish. Okay, like you know, there's like a bunch of markets, and people just go there, and there's lots of smugglers and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I did notice that. Um, they had that that little animal that's on uh, Jabba's shoulder. Yeah, Salacious Crumb. What? Salacious Crumb, Greg. How do you know the this? The Kowakian monkey lizard? <laughs> that's incredible. How do you know that? How do you not? Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I've never read. Is that like... They don't say that in the movies at all. They right? do not, no. No, they don't say that at all. Um, just seeing the Millennium Falcon life-size... Seeing an X-Wing, life-size. Oh, the Millennium Falcon, incredible. It was absolutely incredible. It was really, really cool uh, to see all that. I didn't get to go on the main ride, which I'm still a little salty about. Well, it just opened that weekend, right? It, so. it had just opened that weekend. Um, yeah, I guess some backstory. We're, we're Canadians, uh, just a couple of Canucks, and we just serendipitously were uh, down in L.A. at the same time. Um, checking out Disney, which yeah. is pretty cool. Completely unplanned. Completely <laughs> unplanned. We just happened to be there at the same time. Uh, so that was very cool. Um, talking about robots, though, um, there's a couple rides at Disney that I absolutely loved when I was a kid. Um, Splash Mountain was one of them, and it has tons of animatronics on it. You know what? The animatronics, they don't hold up, but I still love that ride. Yeah, it's it's got this really... Um, well, I guess for me, it's got this old school, nostalgic kind of vibe to it, uh, which I which I really adore. Um, but it's actually really creepy. It is. It, it's super creepy. I remember one time we were we were on it a couple years ago. Um, my wife and I are pretty big Disney fans, so we get down there pretty well, often. That's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, we were actually on there, and the ride broke down. And man, was it way creepier when they weren't moving. You, so you got stuck on there. We got stuck on there. Oh, damn. That's, uh... Yeah, so parts of that ride near the end, you get into this, um... So first of all, it's creepy. Um, 
because there's that like right at the end that rabbit that is being tied up and like spit roast spit roasted is the he's wrong not word spit roasted. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh he's tied up like over a fire or something and he's screaming for his life which is really creepy um you know what would make it more creepy i have no if idea. it if <laughs> if it was all uncanny valley like if they up the animatronics to a point where where they were just not quite good enough not just but <laughs> right at that point right at that point where they're not quite good enough um i guess if people haven't heard what uncanny valley is do you, do you want to explain that sure i guess like uncanny valley is where things they look they look photo real i guess but when you something just looks a little bit off and you can't quite tell what it is but you know it's not right yeah yeah that's 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 a great explanation and it's not only that it's not right it makes you feel really uneasy yeah it's unsettling it's very unsettling um so think about like uh, a, a robot that acts really realistically and makes intelligent decisions so think of like um i robot like that will smith movie yeah and uh those robots don't really have that uncanny valley effect even though they're so intelligent and, and cognizant and and have a conscience and stuff like that because they're not skinned they're not skinned they don't really look like people aside from the fact that they walk on two legs and have two arms mm-hmm. no and, like, they, and they see through speak robots. english and, yeah. and, and and stuff like that but they don't give me an uncanny right, valley not effect. all robots have to speak english that's true c-3po <laughs> speaks how many languages this I is your trivia six point some billion there's that many languages in the galaxy i suppose that's great why c-3po would know <laughs> also in the last movie c-3po had sass man he killed it he had sass and usually it's R2 that has the sass. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um, so do you, do you know the name of, of um, that robot? It's a, it's a female robot and it's uh, skinned. Uh, I can't remember her name. And they brought her on a talk show. Oh. And she said, I, I'm going to like, I'm going to kill everyone. I um, know In the it. middle of the talk show. Um, it's like a famous research robot. Yeah, I, I, it's not ringing any bells here. Oh, okay. Uh, that just came to my mind talking about Uncanny Valley. But it became even more uncanny because uh, she talks about, you know, killing everyone on, on, on Earth. Um, so I guess people's uh, sentiments towards robots looking exactly like us is very much like a Battlestar Galactica effect. Oh, yeah. And we're both very much Battlestar Galactica fans. Oh, love it. Um, you want to give people like a rundown of the plot? Because uh, I'm sure that not everyone knows what Battlestar Galactica is. Probably not. They just know it's nerdy. <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, you know, in summary, Battlestar Galactica is about these, like, people. They're not from Earth, but they're still humans. And there was a war against their robot slaves. Um, that was a long time ago. And then the robot slaves come back. And uh, now they look like human. They're made of flesh. And no one can tell if the the robot the robot slaves are called Cylons, and no one can tell if they're humans or not. Um, and it's basically a show about deception and sci-fi. Yeah, and and like uh, like the tragedy of of the human race, kind of right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like they talk about the futility. Um, the futility. That's that's yeah. That's I wasn't looking for the word tragedy. I was looking for <laughs> futility. Um, yeah, that, that's totally true. Um, and I guess, 
so yeah they have cylons that used to look like bucket heads like they were all just regular like, like, like tin man robots tin man robots like exactly what like you would old think. bbc robots made from garbage cans yes totally with uh <laughs> you know giant guns for hands yes yeah exactly like that um and then they they evolved to look exactly like humans and they were indistinguishable um so there's this character in the show that's a a squirrely little man the best character in the show in my mind (laughs) Uh, kelly hated actually uh kelly hated um uh no yeah it was yeah kara thrace she yeah she really like my wife also hates kara thrace i don't know why either um so guys baltar is a, a scientist um perhaps the best scientist perhaps the best scientist but he often puts on would you say he puts on a black hat like a white hat, black hat. Like he wears both, I think. I would say he is self-serving. He's extremely self-serving. That's pretty much all he cares about is himself. Yeah. So I, I guess I he wears be whatever hat is convenient at the at time. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the show, he there's no way to distinguish between um, Cylons and humans, and uh, Cylons are in fact like walking around the ship. Um, on the battle stars and and no one is able to differentiate between them and their trusted crew are in fact robots Mm -hmm. right uh so gaius uh says that he's developed a test um to figure out who's a cylon and who's a human and he didn't actually have any such test he had no clue yeah he he had no idea um he was just kind of rattling test tubes and uh, making people think that he was doing things um, but I, I don't think he actually ever had a solution. Um, but then going back to humans and, and us differentiating between robots, um, we, we have a guy in our history called Alan Turing, fantastic computing scientist. Um, they actually, it wasn't recently. When did they make that movie about him? Uh, probably four or five years ago now. I'd have to look it up. Yeah. It, it, was it called? just touring what no was it, it was called and i don't know what it was called all right let's take a short break and look up the name of that movie and we'll be right back amazon is a website that will ship you anything you need in life literally anything you can even buy uranium ore and start your own nuclear reactor today Sign up for an Amazon Prime subscription and get two-day free shipping, access to Prime Video and music streaming services, and 20% off diapers delivered right to your door. You don't even need to take off your pajamas. Sign up for Prime using the link bit.ly forward slash Amazon Knickknack Nerd, which also supports this podcast. And now back to the show. The movie yeah. Imitation Game. Imitation Game. Thank you. Um, yeah, so it kind of recounts uh, his adventures at Bletchley Park, Cracking Enigma, uh, which was a, a famous World War II, I think, Polish cipher. German. Was it German? It was the German code machine. It was a German code machine. And I th- okay, the one that they got their hands on, I think, was Polish. Because uh, they had a physical Enigma machine at Bletchley Park. Yes, they, they somehow I- obtained... The physical machine, and they're able to run tests against it. Yeah, yeah. So he had this, you know, massive computer that was basically doing brute force, um, uh, basically like cracking ciphertext. Yeah. Um, to and the computer, it, out. it was like a big mechanical 
beast. Yeah. With a whole bunch of spinny things in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, background, I am a computing scientist. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anto's a, uh, an engineer, and I'm a computing scientist and a data scientist. Um, so, it really pains me at the heart of my being to say spinny thing when I'm talking about a computer. <laughs> well, that just shows how uneducated you are. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, the reason we're talking about Alan Turing is um, back in the day, he created um, a test to differentiate between uh, a human and a robot. And he did not call it the Turing test. Actually, the paper name, I looked up the paper name because um, I thought it was called either the imitation game or Alan Turing's a bomb or something like that. But it's in fact like some ridiculously long, uh, very boring scientific title that's published in, in, in a journal article. As academics like to do. As academics like to do, right? Anyone that's um, read a paper knows that the titles are atrociously long. Yeah. Um, so kind of a missed opportunity that, you know, he didn't foresee this movie being made about him and name it The Imitation Game because it's very cool. <laughs> um, and in that paper, so we had to read that paper um, when I was doing my undergraduate degree. And um, in that paper, he has a lot of really cool ideas about um, basically artificial intelligence um, how to properly train uh, machines uh, to react to the environment like like humans do. Um, he kind of described machines and, and robots as treating them like a child. Um, and uh, if they make mistakes, um, tell them, hey, you made a mistake, and why did you make that mistake so that he can correct it. Yeah. It's incredible he was thinking about all of that stuff at basically like the infancy of computing. It totally. It, it blows my mind. Actually, it, just in general, in computing science, it blows my mind that there were people doing neural networks in the 60s. Um, so right now, neural networks are, you know, everyone's, like, deep learning is... Is the rage. Is, yeah, it's the rage. Uh, everything is deep neural networks, recurrent neural networks, everything like that. And uh, they've been around since the 60s. Uh, I think... Uh, last name is Rosenblatt, I believe. We're going we're gonna to do some fact-checking after that. Um, if we make that mistakes... That stuff will be in the show notes. That's right, in the show notes. Uh, you can email us at hello at knickknacknerd.com and tell us uh, you know, all the points that we messed up. And how wrong we are. And how wrong we are. I think it was Rosenblatt, and I think it was 1966. Um, but I, I, I can't recall exactly. Um, so he was playing around with, with uh, single neuron neural networks back in the 60s. Um, and then it kind of fell out of style. Like we didn't have the computing power to actually train artificial intelligence systems. Uh, we didn't have the, the size and the breadth of networks. We didn't have, um, you know, we were still using punch cards back in like the seventies and stuff like yeah, that. Like right? the computers to do, um, what your phone could do now would take up multiple, multiple rooms. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like some of the IBM research computers back in the day. There's uh, there was a picture on Reddit that I saw of them wheeling a single module, like a part of it, out of a giant truck into IBM's uh, facilities. It's pretty nuts to think about, and our phone would blow that out of the water. Um, if you've seen the movie Hidden Figures, uh, I actually haven't seen they, that. So part of that movie is them, um, you know, bringing in computers to start, you know, t taking over, working out those calculations. Um, and one of the main characters in the movie uh, takes it upon herself 
to learn how to program the computers hmm. and uh yeah like you can just see the enormity of the machines and how complex they were to learn there was like a book probably as thick as like from the floor to the top of your desk hmm. that's and was it still punch cards back then oh it definitely it definitely yeah um I, I remember um i think it was my uncle or it was either my uncle or a prophet u of a i can't quite remember was uh telling us about assignments that they would have to write in when they were doing schooling and they would have to program their punch cards and then physically walk over to a separate building that contained a giant computer in it feed the punch cards get the output and then hand it in uh to be graded and the person that was telling me this story said and don't drop your punch cards because if you get them out of order you're screwed which was just crazy i couldn't believe that um and just like when we were growing up we didn't have any any sort of like personal computers nothing like that and it's just crazy how many things have changed just in a very short period of time yeah i think uh we kind of got in at the very start of when things really started to get good with computers yeah that's actually really exciting it's very exciting. Like we we spent many of days uh, like doing land parties in Diablo. Was it original Diablo or Diablo, Diablo two, two was two? probably the favorite. Yeah, that was probably the favorite. And I, I remember just setting up like a LAN and and playing between two computers was mind blowing. It's like this is the future. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, and now it's it's like nothing. Yeah, everyone does it. Yeah, it's super easy to set up now. Yeah. And I remember even playing with, uh, like, Warcraft 3 uh, came out a really long time ago. Um, and now Warcraft 3 Re- Reforged is coming out, which is pretty exciting. Um, but I remember just the ability to be able to host a custom game. Yeah. You had to go into your router, and you had to open up uh, UDP ports and uh, I think even TCP ports, yeah, had, stuff you, like that. Yeah, you had to expose both the UDP and TCP ports to be even able to connect yeah to other players yeah and and now everything is so seamless so plug and play it's so yeah you just uh like we take so many things for granted right now that we can play online games and be on discord and be on all these different services at the same time um except for our friend matt who lives out in (laughs) the rural areas and has crap internet (laughs) (laughs) poor poor guy um Anyways, we're talking about um, Alan Turing and the robots. Um, so his his um, way of thinking about training um, was t- treat the uh, the robot like an infant. Let it make mistakes. And when it does make mistakes, tell it what it should do better. And when it does the right thing, give it a reward. Um, so it's almost like reinforcement learning. Like it very much mimics how humans... Or dogs. Uh, or, or dog, yeah, yeah. How, how you know, basically any mammal reacts to stimuli in our world. Like yep. we, we make decisions, uh, which is called a policy. Like we, we look at all of the, all of the uh, arms. Uh, they're called bandit arms in in uh, machine learning, reinforcement learning. We look at all the different arms in our environment that we can pull, and we look at the rewards from them, and then we get a we get our reward, and we say. You know, could we have done better? Could we have done worse? Um, and that really mimics um, when we get a reward as humans. It's a dopamine hit in our brain. We just get a surge of dopamine, and we're like, "Hell yeah, I want, I want to do that again." Um, <laughs> which is probably why uh, 
cocaine and what are the other drugs that just flood your brain with dopamine any opiate really yeah i think yeah anything like that um that's why people get so addicted to um hard drugs like that is because it just blows your brain with uh with dopamine uh which is our our reward center in our brain so of course as humans we're gonna be like yeah let's do that again yeah more rewards please more give me more rewards uh and more frequent rewards um so that was a really innovative way of thinking about um, how to train machines and robots to be more like humans. Um, give them give them feedback and uh, give them dopamine, uh, digital dopamine, right? And then he continued on uh, in that same paper um, and then started talking about uh, what we now call the Turing test. Um, so the Turing test is when um, you have... Let's say that you and a machine or a person... What's the purpose of the Turing test? Uh, That's a good point. So I guess the purpose of the Turing test is to tell whether the computer can, you know, be mistaken for a human, I guess, in Mm -hmm. the most general of terms. Yeah. So I I guess like the the Gaius-Baltar Cylon test. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's... yeah. Yeah, exactly it. Um, so imagine that, that you're separated from another entity. So at that time, you don't know if it's a, a computer or a robot or a person, and you're separated by a screen, you can't see them, and you ask a whole bunch of questions, mm-hmm. and they return with responses. And it's your job to figure out if the entity is human or not, right? Um, so a lot of people kind of equate this problem to a chatbot, Right. Like if I'm engaging with the chatbot, if I go online and I Google search chatbot, right, uh, I'm going to have, you know, a plethora of different chatbots that I can interact with. <laughs> they all suck. They're not really that great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of similar to the the Blade Runner, Runner Void Camp test where they're just asking the guy questions and he's supposed to respond and then they use the answers to those questions to determine whether he's a replicant which is like the same oh, as a yeah, Cylon or a right. robot. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, so I guess um, like the Turing test is kind of permeated across a lot of different um, sci-fi and, and stuff like that, right? Yeah, very popular in sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the imitation game, do they even go into the Turing test at all? I don't think so. No, it more was around like the kind of the the war and breaking the code and the excitement around that and his breakthroughs with the building the computer and his frustrations and failures and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, So kind of uh, an icon uh, in the computing science, uh, in the history of computing science and, and people that, that really contributed to um, I guess, cryptography, um, artificial intelligence um, among many, many other things. I, I haven't read all of his papers um but very interesting guy um i guess now let's talk about uh some robots that are doing really cool things um so i guess like uh stuff that's going on at like boston dynamics oh yeah the bee robots what do you mean the bee robots well they sound like bees oh (laughs) (laughs) that's right they do and uh they have you seen the one that did uh gymnastics was that yeah was that boston dynamics their robots are incredible uh i like big dog is probably my favorite one the one you like can't kick over Mm -hmm. 
Kind of seems like animal abuse, though, doesn't it? It does. Like, whenever they kick the I dog on the ice, guilty inside. I know. Um, there's there's one where um, I don't think it's the dog one, but it is it is on four legs, and it kind of does look like a dog, but it has an extendable neck. Yeah. And it opens up the door, and while it's opening up the door, the researcher is <laughs> pulling on his his tail. And trying to kick him over as the poor guy's trying to open up the door. <laughs> it's just rude. It is. Yeah. Um, but they have some incredible... Uh, and, and when they made the... What was the name of the dog? Big Dog. It was a Big Dog. Big Dog. Um, big Dog came out like quite a long time a long ago. long time ago. Right? Um, yeah, they've made several like much cooler robots since then. But I still love Big Dog. Yeah. They have a, a parkour robot. That kind of jumps around. It can jump from one leg to the other leg, going up obstacles. Um, can do two-legged jumps. It's incredible. It's actually incredible. Um, and I don't know. Like I, I did not think that technology in terms of robotics and reinforcement learning was at the point when Big Dog came out, which must have been like ten years ago. I think it was even longer. longer. I think it was longer than that. Just like the dexterity that that robot had when it came out was yeah. like mind blowing. You're used to seeing like, you know, the C-3PO like robots where yes. you like you can imagine just pushing that thing over and his <laughs> face planting, right? Like, so I've seen C-3PO disassembled many times, but has anyone ever kicked C-3PO over like in one of the movies? I don't, I, I don't think, so. think so. I've never seen that. He seems pretty stable. I mean, aside from being ripped apart by Ugnaughts or whatever. Yep. Um, even when he's walking in Tatooine in the sand, he never he never falls over. It's incredible. Never falls over. A little no. stiff though. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has those um, those braces in yeah. his arms that you know just makes him look like a robot, right? Mm-hmm. And the sand gets everywhere. This I, I bet the sand <laughs> does get everywhere, but it, as it does for humans too, right? Indeed. Um, so now, um, do actually wait? Do you do you know? Um, has anyone purchased Boston Dynamics? Like, do you know who they're owned by? Or are they still uh, an independent research firm? I think Someone they're still independent. Maybe maybe they've been purchased. Yeah. Not sure. And so a lot of um, a lot of the general population looks at those kind of toy robots. Like Big Dog looks at the one that's opening up doors. Well, Big Dog was uh, created um, as like a DARPA project. For oh, was military it use. Okay, like, so it was for military use. Unfortunately, it was like really loud. <laughs> I'm I am sneaking behind you. Um. So yeah, a lot of the general population looks at at I guess a lot of things in robotics and artificial intelligence, like a lot of the stuff that um, Google DeepMind is working on, where they're they're working on on interesting applications of of artificial intelligence um but on very constrained projects like they're working on games specifically like go they're working on um yeah games with like a strict rule set exactly yeah um texas hold'em poker but very constrained betting patterns um a, a lot of stuff like that um even like a starcraft 2 bot yeah like a ai bot Star though that's much more complicated than much more complicated go or I, well, Go, Go is pretty complicated. Go is pretty complicated. Um, but a lot of people look at those um, those toy problems and start thinking about, you know, like, why are we doing this? Like, if you look at the deficit of, of Google DeepMind, 
it would blow your mind how much money they are blowing <laughs> with with seemingly no returns to society other than we have a bot that can beat the world leader of go and everyone goes fantastic Yay. it only costs you 600 million dollars to do so um thank you now what are you going to do um and um google DeepMind has done uh some things that are worthwhile i mean for the alphabet company um using uh reinforcement learning to do automatic server cooling um stuff like that um so basically like economizing uh their servers platforms and stuff like that um but apart from that a lot of people look at you know robots that are made by um boston dynamics like how does that help society yeah do you have any thoughts about that i think there's no no immediate like present you know this is helping us in this way but it's helping us you know develop that technology um and you know people will try new things and they'll find different ways where it can help us um just like you know doing little things with that artificial intelligence and machine learning like you know just optimizing little decisions will probably go a long way mm -hmm. and do you view um for example, uh, a Boston Dynamics robot or, or like a dog that would be a companion. And I don't mean a companion as in like a lover or something like that. I mean a companion Though as it in be. like... It, it could be. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, someone that would kind of be like at your side all the time that you could command, uh, give you a hand opening up cupboards. Let's say you had a disability or something like that. Um like, do you think that that's going to be commonplace uh, in like be. 25 like, year horizon? Uh, in place of a service dog, yeah. perhaps for people with disabilities, it could carry things for you. Mm -hmm. It could guide you. Yeah. Um, it could do all sorts of things. It could help you open cupboards, help you up the stairs. Yeah. Warn you when someone's coming. Mm -hmm. um, and all without the downsides. Um, I come with a regular dog. There's lots of upsides having a dog, but. True. You know, they, you, you don't have, you have to, to clean feed up its them. Boot. You have to clean up after them. You do have to do mild maintenance, though, for a robot, right? You, you, you do, work. you do. Need some oil, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But pretty minor. They don't bark and wake up your baby. Yeah, that, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Um, I, I think that that's probably going to become commonplace. I, I don't know if in 25 years. Um, the thing is that they're really expensive. Like, they would really need to drive down the price um for it to be even feasible for a you know a normal person oh yeah part of part of the expense right is uh like one the processing power which is getting cheaper all the time mm -hmm. um and also like making really small motors that can do like put out high amounts of torque mm -hmm. as well as batteries batteries are this huge problem in mobile electronics right um like actually moving things takes a lot of juice Mm -hmm. So the smaller, like higher capacity battery you can make, the better. Well, I think, uh, aren't, aren't we collectively uh, on Earth running out of uh, a specific type of uh, precious metal or natural resource that's used in traditional batteries? Is that true? I would say I used I in uh, like microelectronics in general. In microelectronics, okay. 
Um, can that be salvaged if you recycle uh, like electronic boards properly? It, it can be, but it's really difficult to separate all the metals. Mm. Because, like, you know, you have your integrated circuits, right? Like, right. That's Which stuff. are gold and a whole bunch of different all things. All sorts of different things when you, when you get into, uh, you know, your, your different logic gates and stuff like that, right? So mm-hmm. um, it can be really hard to hard to separate those things because they're literally like almost like painted on Mm -hmm. it's so small that's right um so talking about um uh having a companion so for example like a big dog that replaces a dog um what are your thoughts on robots replacing workers so let's talk about um kind of menial tasks like uh like a, a warehouse person that just uh categorizes objects put the, puts them in certain places retrieves them ships them stuff like that so we're talking you... about robots doing physical tasks or you know just some um essentially like an automated script that it is a robot that can do i'm, I'm saying f- electronic I, tasks uh my question is physical physical so okay. like like a uh like a warehouse robot a something warehouse like robot. that sure which which is a physical task but it also requires a lot of a lot of mental like you need to be able to do foreground background detection you need to have proprioception like you need to know where your limbs are so then you need computer vision like there's actually a lot of things that go into you need um, to not run into other things you need to be able to navigate around the warehouse mm-hmm. uh be able to recharge yourself that that sort of stuff. So it's actually a really complicated task. Oh, definitely. Um, for something that us as humans, we we're like <laughs> you just take for granted. You, yeah, you know, you eat breakfast in the morning, you go to work, you do the things. Yeah, you just kind of almost implicitly know how to do everything. Yeah, for the most part. I was going to say you just described life, but then you said you implicitly know how to do everything, and I'm like, that okay, that's not life. <laughs> <laughs> when I say everything, I mean like you know, I put my arm in front of me, and I see my arm, and I see that there is or isn't something in my hand yeah and like you, hypothetically you just, you'd be able to feel it you too. just do that autumn exactly you just do that yeah. automatic i don't know that robots have a sense of touch but yeah i don't well there there are um force sensors there I think are they're called like fsrs or something like that uh work in um not provide like tactile feedback for the robot but can figure out if it's uh there's pressure exerted on for certain sure parts of it yeah Hey, why don't we take a quick break, and then we'll get back to robots working in factories. Humble Bundle is a video game subscription service that selects a bunch of fun games each month, and you choose which games you want to keep forever. With a subscription, you also get a 20% discount off of thousands of games on the Humble Store. I often find myself browsing Steam not knowing what I want to play, when that time could be better spent trying a handful of good hand-picked games. Sign up for a Humble Choice Basic or Premium subscription using the link bit.ly forward slash Humble Nerd. Your subscription not only gets you a handful of great video games, but also supports this podcast. Now back to the show. What question are you asking about these fact or warehouse robots? No, my question is, uh, what are your thoughts on them replacing humans? Um, and uh, you know, what does that look like, I guess, for society? And what does that look like for companies? I think uh, my thoughts are kind of two-sided, right? So um, everyone kind of knows that in certain warehouses, 
employees are maybe not treated so well um and you know they're they're always every day being asked to do more and more without better compensation um or bathroom breaks <laughs> um and is that common in factory work like you have scheduled bathroom breaks or or a disallowed uh, like a basic human right of you know evacuating yourself i hope not I'm not like I can't speak for lots of places, but you hear about these, these horror stories mm-hmm. about this happening, right? So, um, whereas with robots, they don't need to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. They can only work as fast as they can work, and they're not going to lollygag, mm-hmm. right? Like they, at least at this point in time, they're not self-aware. Mm-hmm. They do the tasks they're supposed to do at the speed they can do it at. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be a plus on the downside you're displacing workers so those people that had those jobs now don't have jobs um yeah. so you're impacting them and because there's no like universal basic income mm-hmm. you know what do those people do are they now homeless what what jobs do they get to do so mm-hmm. there's a downside there on top of the upside um for companies i think it's a big win uh you can work them 24 hours a day and probably have less robots than you would people because you're working 24 hours if you weren't already running three shifts, right? Mm-hmm. So big benefit there. Um, for society as a whole, I think you would need to work out something like universal basic income beforehand or, you know, you're you're looking for trouble. Yeah. Well, I guess you'd have a lot of displaced workers, right? You would. And what are they going to do? Are they going to, you know, crime rates are going to go up probably if they can't find work. Mm-hmm. Um, homelessness will go up um, and in lots of countries around the world it's not safe to be outside in all seasons like they'll either freeze to death or cook to death right like mm-hmm. so you can run into lots of problems there at, at the same time um, if you employ uh, a network of robots to perform you know tasks in your company right you need people to service the robots right what so if you need you some robots sort of right? to service the robots. Who services the robots that service the robots? The robots that service robots. Who services the robots that service well, the robots? Well, all you need is two robots that service robots, and they can service each other. <laughs> Don't say service each other. <laughs> robots service each other. Um, Sorry, they can repair they can and repair. maintain each other. Yes. Um, so what you've described is a giant pyramid scheme of robots it's not a pyramid scheme there doesn't have to be multiple levels there's the robots that do the task yep and that's the bottom of the pyramid sure and then there's the robots that fix the robots that do the tasks but those robots also fix them each other each other so there's two levels there's there's two two levels there's the task robots Mm -hmm. and the repairman robots i've never thought about the repairman robots repairing the repairman robots that's genius I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you saying, Anthony? Um, huh? That, yeah, that's really interesting to think about. Okay, so we, we'd have um, like lots of displaced workers, right? Um, I was thinking that we need repair people to repair the robots. But who designs the robots? Yeah, but but I think that that can be you know a small firm, right? Could be that, that's designing all these robots. Like I think the um, the basic tech. Uh, and the brain um, eventually will become general purpose enough where it can be slotted in many different machines. Sure. Um, right now, all of AI and machine learning 
is very single purpose. Very task specific. Very task Can only specific. do one thing. A la hot dog, no hot dog. A hot dog, no hot dog. Uh, you you want to explain that <laughs> that reference for people in case uh, they don't know what you're talking about? Um, just I'll just say, if you haven't, go watch Silicon Valley. Yeah, that's yeah, that's good enough. What, what's his name? Jin Yang. Jing Yang. Jing Yang. That's right. Um, yeah. So with universal basic income, um, I've I've had uh. I, I know what it is. It's in the name, universal basic income, right? Um, who, where does the money come from? So, um, like, it's would it be generated by businesses? Would it be generated generated by uh, the population who then pays a government who distributes universal basic income? Like, how do the actual economics of universal basic income actually work that's always dumbfounded me it dumbfounds me as well i think that's part of the problem of actually implementing Implementing it and making it happen like it's a cool Uh, idea but how the how the heck do we do it yeah it's like a very like star trek idea right Mm -hmm. um but like you know there's lots of hurdles in the way of making it happen especially um, we need the robots first we we need people to do the tasks so that we can be um free to yeah it's a bit it's a bit of a chicken and egg problem Mm -hmm. but but i think it's something that warrants um like we we can't start thinking about that once we already have the robots in place that's too late because it's too late and we're gonna have too many displaced people um you need to have a plan in place and kind of implement them at the same time and i think the difficulty there is not there isn't just like you know, one body saying like, hey, we're developing these robots to make everyone's life better. And alongside that, we need universal basic income. It's kind of like everyone everywhere is working on robots to help them with their specific problem. And that, you know, I think eventually will morph into these robots that are able to help with a much broader set of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of leaves, uh, I guess, the governments and, you know, philanthropists of the world to figure out the solution to the universal basic income problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just I, I've, I've thought about it a couple times, and I just don't see how the money is generated. Where where does it actually come from? You know what? It could come from taxing the robots. Yeah. Okay. So so this would be uh, the corporations fronting the money for for UBI. Essentially, yes. Yeah. Um, so then it comes to the question of. Uh, <laughs> Can we tax non-human beings? I don't see why not. So um, uh, to tax something, they need to be making an income. Correct. Okay. So, um, or well, you could tax the corporation based on the number of robots they. Oh yeah, employ. that's interesting. Instead of uh, yeah, giving a salary to a robot, and yeah. then it becomes a question of. If a robot has too much disposable income, what kind of shenanigans are the robots going to get into? Exactly. So then mm-hmm. the robots don't have any... Sh- Obviously, if you get to the point where the robots are actually artificially intelligent and self-aware, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. This, like the corporation taxing thing is mostly um, if the robots are, you know, automatons, basically. Right. Yeah. So like a, like a warehouse robot that does a warehouse very robot, task. No brain. He just does... Yeah you know exactly what he's programmed to do he doesn't make any decisions outside of 
I was told to put this here. Oh, it's full. I'll put it in the next best spot. Mm-hmm. So um, I just thought about this. Um, so to an extent, we already have this issue in society today. Yeah. Uh, so for example, look at McDonald's. They have one person working the till. Mm-hmm. And they have four to six uh, robotic yeah, people taking, not robotic people, robots, like touch screens that take your order and place it. And then the people in the back, you know, make your food and, and give it to you. Those machines are replacing what used to be workers. Exactly. Yeah, it was actually at a McDonald's um, not that long ago where they had no one working the till. Nobody. They were just relying on those machines. And then the people in the back were doing whatever people at McDonald's do. I don't even know. <laughs> whatever people in the I've never worked in fast food. I don't know what you even do in the back there. All I know is that my burger comes out and I eat it. It's like that Will Ferrell movie where he's like, Mom, I never know what she's doing back there. <laughs> Get me a sandwich. Get me a sandwich. Mom, the meatloaf. <laughs> um, yeah, what? well, they obviously make food back there. You can't really see back there. Um, yeah, so that yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so setting up a, a tax for corporations for... Um, to offset them displacing humans that would have been doing the job otherwise. Exactly, To yeah. front money for a UBI that's then distributed, probably taxed to the government, and then the government distributes the UBI. Yeah, which has its own set of problems. What are, what are the problems? It sounds perfect to me. Governments. <laughs> Period. Uh, historically inefficient. Yeah. Um, and bureaucratic. So the people that need... You know, the people that need that basic income may not be correctly identified in getting it. Um, you know, people play all sorts of games to try to increase their personal benefit from from taxes and grants and all, you know, welfare, mm-hmm. right? Like, essentially, like, look at uh, the state of welfare in a lot of countries. There's a lot of people that take advantage of it. Uh, and a lot of people that need it that they can't get everything they need. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, that, that's a that's kind of a, a detriment to like a, a mixed economical system where you have some sort of financial compensation from governments. Um, a lot of people do abuse uh, stuff that's not not entirely intended for how they're using it, like employment insurance. Um, a lot of people, you know, milk that. Um, because it's free money from the government, and I, I'll put that in quotes. Um, yeah, so that'll be interesting. Like, uh, what are the ramifications, the social ramifications of implementing UBI? Um, but I, I think that that's a really good idea. You know, throwing the throwing the tax on corporations. Um, I myself, as a business owner, uh, don't like that idea having <laughs> having another tax because well, I run a machine learning company and we uh, we employ robots all day to do training and stuff like that but we were talking about physical robots yes well yeah so uh robots are performing physical tasks yes um there's also a whole uh another set of bots they're called that are just you know on on the internet yeah the big i guess industry term right now uh, that i've heard a lot is robotic process automation is the term they're calling for essentially scripts that do things that people do right now Oh, okay. Um, like, uh, that that would be doing a non-physical labor, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. if you've, uh, 
Yeah, essentially. Um, if you know the the web service Zapier, I think that's yep. how you say it. Yeah. Uh, essentially, you know, different consulting companies, Deloitte, Gartner, will, you know, management consulting companies will help, you know, corporations set up stuff like similar to that for their own internal use. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, you could technically consider those robots to an extent, I guess. Yeah. No, I I think I think that you totally can. Um... And and software bots, I, I would say that they don't have a a, a physical manifestation. No, like they're they're like the spirit, the spirit of a bot. They really are. And one one robot could handle the same workload as hundreds of people in some cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and have slightly more brain cells probably. I don't know if you've ever interacted with a chatbot, but I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Chatbots are still notoriously bad. Or, or what are they calling them now? Virtual assistants. Virtual assistants. That's right. Um, wasn't Facebook working on uh, on a bot that would actually do like a mechanical Turk thing in the background? Like you would you would write in a question or say, "Hey, order me some flowers and send it here." They would send it to. It was like a Facebook assistant or something like that. And they would actually have a human interpreting that and making it seem like it was a robot and just responding to outrageous things. And I don't know what they did with that project or what the purpose of that project was. It It kind of sounds like a project to fool everyone into thinking they're way farther ahead than they are. Yeah. Or they were using it for training data. They could be, yeah. To be like, well, here's how a human would respond. Exactly. Well, you could use it for that. Yeah. So I wonder if that's like I don't know what their uh, their end game was for that, but uh, certainly an interesting use of, I guess, fake bottage. <laughs> fake bottage. Fake bottage. What about uh, some of those crazy Twitter bots? Yeah, yeah, those are really interesting. Like they actually make, uh, so they use I think they use recurrent neural networks and they produce character by character new tweets and just pump them out into Twitter land. Yeah, uh, well, there was that one a couple of years ago that just started like blasting out um, some Nazi stuff. Oh yeah, um, because it had just so many, you know, so many of those people had been tweeting at it and just feeding it this propaganda essentially, mm-hmm. and and training it that like that's how people respond to everything all the time. <laughs> I believe that was uh, 4chan. <laughs> That sounds like something sounds people. like something they would do yeah uh so that's a, that's very much a danger of um letting machine nefarious, learning yeah. yeah machine learning in general yeah yeah if you give it uh an unrepresentative data source uh it will learn that and it will perhaps not be what you're looking for um i think that that's definitely something to look out for in the future in terms of um red flags yeah um and also something, hmm, I don't know. Like there, there's a lot of issues in uh, just kind of letting free learning bots loose into society and just hoping that they learn the right thing. I guess that's kind of like humans, isn't it? Kind of. I gotta. <laughs> I have to ask you a question. Do you um, thank Alexa when you ask her for stuff? Uh, no, I mostly swear at her. You mostly swear at her? See, my wife swears by thanking and being polite to Alexa. Because mm-hmm. she does not want to be the first one to go <laughs> in the robot uprising. That's actually hilarious, um, and that opens up a whole nother Pandora's box about um, 
about Alexa and having uh, Google Home Assistant and stuff like that, uh, letting those uh, surveillance devices into our into our just, homes, just listening to you, just listening all the time. to you. And the counter argument is, you know, we're not doing anything funky. Like, who who cares? But they're listening to everything that we're saying. Um, so it's a, a very interesting topic, and we'll, we'll probably explore that. Um, I think we're going to do a. Uh, an episode on like data privacy. I think and we definitely should. We, we definitely should because I think that that warrants a whole other conversation. Uh, but in terms of robots, is there anything that, that you want to add or anything else on your list? Uh, you know what? I I don't think so. Um, maybe the, the last thing um, on my list is uh, like making a robot now is getting easier and easier. I don't know if you, you've heard about uh, Ross or robot os no not at all. um so it's not an actual os it runs on top of linux um but it has like all these different modules and plugins you can add to like just make your robot you know run it on a raspberry pi with an arduino and you can like essentially hook it up to some motors or sensors or whatever and build your own robot at home that's that's really cool do you know the so uh is it it's purely software and you would it, need it's to software can... yeah okay. and open source Okay, so it's not like a like a kit that you can go buy somewhere that would have like some some motors. And, you know what? And I'm stuff like I'm that. sure there are kits that you can buy that have everything you need to make uh, a certain robot. That stuff is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll uh, we'll put a post to uh, was it Ross OS? Ross. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put a, a link to that uh, on our website. It's uh, knickknacknerd.com. Uh, you can reach us at hello at knickknacknerd.com. Uh, I'm Greg Burlett. I'm Anthony Keeling. Uh, you can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and all those other social media platforms. Uh, you can also uh, support us at patreon.com slash knickknacknerd. Uh, you can donate as little as $1 a day to help us out with, uh, you know, all the overhead that comes with putting on a wonderful podcast for you people. Uh, that's it. Have a good time. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you.